Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Lena Morgan. And this is Song vs. Song. This week, uh, a big episode. We are going to be doing Come to My Window by Melissa Etheridge versus Closer to Fine by the Indigo Girls. Uh, hello, Lena. Hello. <laughs> what do we, we yep, just, a, just a normal, regular episode of the show. You're not, nothing you, to report. Got nothing to tell us about your life? Yeah, no. I know it's your no. I I reject your desire to make me quote the Indigo Girls. That has going to happen <laughs> later in the episode. It will happen, um, but it's not going to happen right now. I think we should focus on the fact that we have a guest. Yes, we do. Uh, please introduce yourself. Hey guys, uh, I am uh, Danny Lore, and the only Danny here, and that rocks. <laughs> it is. It is good to have a single Danny in the in the studio. I will. I will say this: there should never be more than one. Um, we did a podcast where there were two, and it was a it was no it was fine. Um, <laughs> it was very good. We had a Vita to balance it out, and I feel like that was the that oh. was the course correction that that podcast needed. And we inflicted having multiple Dannys on people for many years, and they were all confused always. That's just a thing you did at a comic book store. You just had there be another person that was similar to you in some fashion, and then tortured people with it. Oh, goodness. Does that make me like the Kevin Bacon of like the shop? Because I had like a Danny and a Vita both. So like everyone was like six degrees away from being confused for Danny. Yes. Anyway, so <laughs> I don't like songs. That. <laughs> well, I mean, Danny, Danny Lore, you picked these songs as I, as I understand or like that's how I was told. Like, these are uh, important songs to you. There was a long stretch of, of my life in which my entire musical taste could have been described as Lilith Fair. Um, <laughs> like hardcore, like falling asleep to like Jewel and other things. So it's kind of just a natural queer evolution that I'm coining that term. Is that a queer evolution or a queer revolution? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you can't get other songs stuck in my head while we're doing this. That's not fair because now I have that old okay. Birds of Prey theme song stuck in my head. Um, it's not fair, really. <laughs> it's not. Looking at Lena, shaking her head at me in shame. Um, but so for me, it was uh, really fun to kind of come on here and uh, discuss two very, very lesbian songs, uh, both in terms of the performers, basically the music genre and kind of their like context for me and... Everyone else who ever listened to these songs. Um, you know, it's a it's a funny thing. I am comically without Gaydar. And if it hadn't been very public at the time, I don't know that I would have known either of these songs were uh, particularly lesbian. Come to my window? But, really? Yeah. I did, I did. <laughs> really? <laughs> did, did you Is think... It, did, did you think she was I don't telling know, men come to windows? You could be calling a man to no. a window. Okay, a man is already there, and you want him to turn off the music. <laughs> no, no, wait, woman. wait. Did, <laughs> no. I just want to be. Wait, did you think that the it was what, what was the Sam and Clarissa explains it all? Was that your? You were like, oh, it's a Clarissa Sam. That's what the song is about. It Most was after she seen Clarissa explains it all. <laughs> did not like that Ferg face and was like, I'm gonna write a song about Sam and Clarissa. I ship it. I, I was thinking Romeo and Juliet, I will have you know, Clarissa explains it all. <laughs> Although you you brought up like the music, so you know it could be John Cusack in the window, but it is none of those people, it is in fact a woman. 
because no, John Cusack is in the rain. He's, he's in the rain. He's also already there. Like I said, the dude is already <laughs> out the window and you're like, what are you doing here? My parents are going to kill me. The Melissa Etheridge lesbian version is not yeah, it's Just just come over here. It's 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 good. It's good in this corner. This lesbian <laughs> corner. Well, you pick these two songs, but now you got to pick one song if you had to uh, pick one to listen to for the rest of your life. So I love both of them, but Come to My Window, I think, uh, pushes forward uh, for two reasons. One, for me, when I want to listen to Closer to Fine, like listening to it makes me want to listen to it more. <laughs> uh, but I'm but like Come to My Window makes me want to listen to Melissa Etheridge in general. Just like it's such it's so like her iconic vibe. But also the problem with wanting to listen to Closer to Fine on loop is that the song is unchanging. As much as I love it, it's like very, very consistent. Um, and that puts you in a really creepy place where you've lost all sense of time and space because every part of the song sounds the same and you can't tell how many times you've listened to it. No, that's a that's <laughs> called the pandemic where you don't know. <laughs> like, so like if you were going to listen to it over and over again, now is the time because you have no sense of time to lose. You know, I, I say I wouldn't necessarily have known these were lesbian songs, but like. It feels like these are like the most iconic lesbian songs. Like these, this is like lesbian as a genre. If you if you believe that was the kind of thing. If it's like lesbian music, you'd think the Indigo Girls before you thought of like La Tigra or Halsey or any like other varied musical styles of lesbianism. I don't know. That's how I that's how I understood it as as a as a young child in the nineties. Like this was my image of, uh, of it when I was you know a stupid kid who didn't know anything about anything. It was like oh the Indigo Girls. That's what that means. It, you're right. Little you was right. <laughs> was I was I that, like, no, that's uh, correct. That is that oh, is one hundred percent it. You did it. Oh wow, I'm perceptive. <laughs> <laughs> what which one is your pick? I guess I like listening to the same song over and over again because <laughs> I went with closer to fine. Um but we'll I guess we'll get into it. For me, that's it's the lyrics. And by the way, what? there's so that like there are there's sort of a an unspoken third song in this list. Which we didn't include. We could have done. I mean, we keep talking about doing like a like a three way vote mm-hmm. for song versus song, a song I versus song it's versus going song. To be, I worry it'd be too complicated for our viewers, our it listeners. Be, you know, I mean, it's it doesn't work for for American politics, so you'll <laughs> um, just screw it up. Um, but the you know the unspoken third person is Katie Lang, and the unspoken song is um, Constant Craving. Those are the three lesbian songs to me of that time. And the Indigo Girls are like a little bit earlier, I guess. Like they're like late 80s. And then these songs are like early 90s. These these three women are like the godmothers of Lilith Fair, really. They didn't start Lilith Fair, but like Lilith Fair could not possibly exist without them. Well, and the other thing that, well, the Indigo Girls in particular, um, the thing that literally it turns out couldn't exist without them was Mishfest. And we'll talk about that, too. You know what else couldn't exist without Indigo Girls? decades of all girl acapella group singing Galileo, which is really the most important thing. <laughs> um, one of the things that's interesting, uh, Lena, about us uh, having two different choices for me is that one of the things for me is that come to my window is that very like top lesbian charmer song. Like it's about being a lesbian in love. And then like closer to fine and really a lot of the Indigo Girls stuff, like you look at Galileo and stuff like that as well, is about like being a lesbian trying to exist. And like that's yes. really the like you, you've, so you correctly identified 
the reason why I picked one song over the other, uh, um, for sure. Um, and like that was literally like I have a little like notepad note, and like that was the thing that I wrote in it, like the difference between those two songs, um, and also why um, that wasn't even to like put a spotlight on you, but like that's I am that person who very much is like I'm drawn to swagger and performance. And Come to My Window is like, she has many of them, but it's one of her like BDE, like top lesbian, like, <laughs> you know, like energy songs where it's like, oh, OK, you you walk, you're walking. I feel that this this person, in spite of the many breakups that are sung about, like could walk in a room and gets the girl, you know? Sure. I mean, like, so there's like a three. So there's like a three thing. There's yeah. it's a, this is like a trilogy or a trinity, I guess. Right. So like. The Indigo Girls are the intellectual. They're mm-hmm. like, this is mind mind lesbian. This is being a lesbian. Uh, being a lesbian is is like about like an internal state that you have as opposed to like your your relationships. It's very look, yeah. it's very cerebral gay. And then Melissa Etheridge is doing it with her whole chest. Yes. Like that's heart gay. And then Katie Lang is groin gay. And yeah. that's just a fact. Is what like, gay? Groin gay. Like, that's just, like, horniness gay. It's just all horniness all the time. Like, that's a very horny fucking song. hmm And I mean, right. like, Melissa Etheridge is also is, but in a very romantic way, I want to say. There's something very romantic about Come to My Window to me. You know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing. Like, you you brought uh, Danny to me, and you were like, Danny wants to do a Melissa Etheridge versus Indigo Girls thing. And I was like, yes, absolutely. And there's like, and it's got to be Come to My Window versus Closer to Fine. He's like, yes, absolutely. And then I listened to the two of them back to back. And I was like, these are very different songs. Mm-hmm. The, but in like, your brain, they're like in the same space. Like that's. Yeah, they are. They absolutely occupy the same space. But the when I listened to them, I was like, closer to fine makes me so happy. And then come to my window. That's a that's a heartbreaker right there. That is, you know, that is nothing but like painful, powerful emotions. Like I would was it I I would go to hell, I would hold the hands of death or whatever it is. Oh, see, and that doesn't make me sad at all. That song never made me sad yeah. on its face. Yeah, for I'm not, me... I'm not, saying, I'm not saying sad exactly. I'm just passion. saying yearning. Yes, it is like super passion. So I... I'm going to laugh because no one should bring this song up or this group up uh, when talking about true lesbian rock. But do you remember when like... Uh, Stained came out with their song that was basically just like, oh, I'm I think I'm OK. Like, what no. the hell is happening? <laughs> I absolutely do not. Yeah, because I, I mean, I actually really love that album, but like they got a lot of uh, flack for him starting to write about being like, I, I think that I'm I'm growing up, that I, I'm getting to the point where like I'm, I'm happy with my life. I remember this mm-hmm. distinctly because I chose that single for my yearbook page because I was that oh, wow. grunge girl. I, it was just that full uh, lyric, but like closer to fine is similar to that for me, that kind of recognizing of having had so much like stress and pain, but then being like, oh, I'm almost getting over it. But true fact, it was not this for half of my life because I misheard the lyric and I had never seen the title because radios. So I <laughs> thought it was closer. I am to find with a D and <laughs> to, I to thought finding something. Yeah. But then it was intentionally that they never said what it was. So I read the whole song completely differently for a very long time that like it was, it was not the, I'm, I'm 
at that stage, but that like I'm almost to figuring out what the heck it is I need. Um, which is another, not, <laughs> which is not, not completely wrong. Uh, it was just very funny to me when I got older and realized that like I was off by a letter and it does change the song. You know, I, I always my first understanding of the U2's with or without you was I can live with or without you. And that's a much different song. <laughs> much different song. I mean, this comes up a lot, right? Just because like I feel like any time prior to name a year where you could just go online and find lyrics to things. You yeah. were always going to get something wrong. I got every every Nirvana song I was completely wrong about. Always. To the point that I, ha- I had friends making fun of me. We had to do a, a, an assignment for a class freshman year of high school. And I wrote down what I thought the lyrics were to a Nirvana song. And somebody grabbed it out of my hands and was like, let's see. You know, like, and then they just proceeded to rip me to shreds for the rest of the day because I got 90% of them wrong. Even up to like 2005, you'd still got, have gotten them wrong because all those lyric sites were all wrong. They they didn't know either. And now they just the lyrics are right, but they're all wrong about what every single lyric means. <laughs> Thank there you, you genius.com. Oh my goodness. Now, now we all know that it's closer to Fang and it's a <laughs> werewolf song. That's for you. That's for you, Dan. Oh, I don't hurt me like this, please, any longer. <laughs> I found Melissa Etheridge to be, yeah, I didn't feel sad. I didn't, like, I was aware that there's a struggle on the song, but, like, this is her big coming out moment. So, like, they'd put out, she put out this album. The album was called Yes, I Am. She had written the song, the the, the title song, prior to knowing that she was going to come out publicly. So it wasn't intentional that she put out a, com- a coming out album, but Katie Lang had come out and it had seemed to go fine closer to fine if you will um so melissa Etheridge was like well i mean we already have this thing let's just do it and then they did it's hard for me to accept that there wasn't at least a subconscious knowledge of it was about to happen because like when you are you know i think about my writing before i came out in particular you know like in high school or whatever and like you look back and you're like, your brain was saying it the whole time to a certain extent. Right. And for her to have just done a title track called Yes, I Am right before making that decision feels like that there was some back brain working there. Yes. It's almost like when we figured out that this was the episode that we would do, that some part of me was aware that there would be a purpose for this episode. Yeah. You you told me before we we started recording that. You didn't plan this, and I kind of don't believe you. I, that is that is the absolute truth. Um, you, you may feel free you to believe whatever in, you like. You could track it in me and Lena's uh, DMs. Actually, uh, that there was there was no uh, a forebrain conversation happening at that point. I'm yeah. not even sure. Like, we it's, had, it's weird yeah. that you would know me this long and think that I have ever planned <laughs> anything. It's not really, it's not my thing. Planning things, I don't, I kind of act and then li- live with the decision that I've made. Yeah, like, if, if, if anyone's confused here, like, uh, my co-host is trans. A couple uh, months ago, they came to me and they said, uh, you know, Todd, I need you to know that I am, in fact, trans. 
That's I'm not lying. what happened. <laughs> I don't know why you're making this up. So like, it's, <laughs> it's literally known it for eight years. Yes, it's a well-known fact. I was like waiting for the violins to play. I was like, <laughs> yeah. this yeah. timeline like, has this gotten is weird. so much it's longer. It's very weird. It's literally just, so like, you know, like there's this pandemic. Are we, are we aware that there was a pandemic? Do people know about that? No one's so coming to our windows. Was, uh, yeah, so yeah, so like somebody came to my window and that someone was me. The reason why I picked Closer to Fine will come into play when we mm-hmm. when we have this discussion. So, um, in the briefest brief forms, um, I have always known that I was trans. I knew when I was, I mean, I started to have a clue when I was four. I like always like lean towards like the girl cartoons. I wanted to wear like the princess dress that was available in the preschool that they had in like the, the, the treasure trove of things you could play with. And I remember being 12 and like at that point, anytime my parents had gone out, I would immediately like, I would put on a dress, I would wear heels, I would try to like put on makeup and shit. Like a lot of like really tired cliche shit. Hi, that's me. So, and then my my mother would catch me and she would freak the fuck out. And like there was one time when we were in the upstairs bathroom and like she like slunk down onto the floor and she was like, you don't want to be a woman, do you? And what I said was, what kind of fade no. down away blocking? And, 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 then, and then inside of my head, I went, fuck. And that was the first time that I knew. Um, but then, like, the, the long story short is that, like, in my 20s, um, after a lot of struggling with my family and money and stuff, I was finally in a place where I could transition. And I did for a couple of years. And then I had a lot of financial problems and a lot of health problems and continued to have these family issues. And so I detransitioned throughout my 30s. And then when I tried again, I started having all these big health problems. And like, basically, anytime I try to chemically alter my body in any way, it causes an extreme allergic reaction. And like, I just thought, well, I guess it's just not going to happen for me. I'm screwed. And then the pandemic happened and there was nobody leaving the house. There was nobody going anywhere or doing anything. So it didn't really matter how I looked day to day. Like the only person that was going to see me was my spouse and Raven doesn't give a shit. I mean, she's supportive. She gives a shit. She gives a shit about you, but like that, that's, that's what it's about. It's about you. (laughs) So, you know, like there was this moment where I had all these questions, right? I'm in the middle of a pandemic, like the world is shifting in a way, right? Because it wasn't as though I was the only person in the world realizing that I didn't have to look a certain way anymore. That was literally everybody. Like everybody became feral in the midst of the pandemic. Like everyone was like, well, if I don't have to dress the way that people expect me to, then what do I actually want to look like? And then you start asking yourself, like, who am I? And for context, me, right now, as we record this, I am literally wearing a Pokemon onesie with the hoodie over my head. And uh, just to illustrate what we mean by you can look like anything. That um, is your <laughs> new identity now. You are a Pokemon. I'm many Pokemon. Okay. I apologize. Thank you. Um, you are many Pokemon. So in addition to all the regular questions that everybody was asking, I was also like, do I just not give a fuck about the medical thing? Do I try to go back again? Like, is, does it really matter at this point anymore? Does anybody really give a shit when most of us are afraid to leave the house if I just do this on whatever terms I can? Um, and so I decided, fuck it, I would do it. But before I made that final decision, uh, with all the stuff in my, in my mind, all these big questions, here's what I did. I went to the doctor... I went to the mountains. Stop. I looked God damn it. to Stop. the children. Stop. And I drank from the fountains. Ugh. There's more than one answer to these questions pointing me in a crooked line. And the less <sighs> I seek my source for some definitive, 
the closer I am to fine. It's and that so is un- the reason why I picked that song. Literally that. that That's it. If you want to know what I was up to during the pandemic, the chorus of Closer to Fine is the answer. So that's. So if you're wondering, also the episode in which Lena ex- like comes out and explains herself is also the last episode you will ever see or hear Lena because I will kill her. see you say you don't plan things and you didn't take any notes for this one i refuse to believe you didn't have all that written out and you were just reciting it like i literally as i was explaining this to you i googled the lyrics to make sure that is how irresponsible i am as a human being um yeah so that's it like that's literally like if you if i had to sit down and say why did i pick one over the other but Let's be very let's be very clear about one thing. Um, whatever song you, the listener, chose, you chose right. There are many episodes in which there is a definite wrong answer in my mind, or not really. Like nobody actually cares. Like people are allowed to have their opinions, but I think very That's rare. That's why I'm a time not on this which... show as more than a guest because I think that you can have <laughs> the wrong opinion in this. No, not in no. this one. This one's right. This one, you really. It doesn't matter what you pick. Like truly, these are in my mind. The only like I don't like I don't even want to say it's a wrong answer to not like these songs because I know some people were like putting pencils in their ears to escape the sounds of the Indigo Girls apparently and I, really? that's fine that's fine if that's if that is where you're at in life that's okay um, but I will say it, that seeing those comments made me think about why I liked Melissa Etheridge as much as I did and it's that she's just genuine. Like, that's when I say it's a hard song. I mean, like, she just really wears her heart on her sleeve. And, like, in the 90s, that was not a thing to do. Except for the Lilith Fair thing. And I remember really liking that song. And I remember it being treated like a joke. Which one? Which one? Come, to, come to My Window? Come, come to My Window was a, was a huge, it was the butt of every joke. Because the thing is, Closer to Fine didn't get the kind of radio play that um, any Melissa Etheridge single off of this album did. I mean, to be fair, like also Galileo, like outpaces most things in that whole section. So it was, I think there's a lot of, I don't remember which one came out first in terms of radio play. Indigo girls suffered from a lot of, if it's not everything, instead of being compared to the rest of the music going on, it was compared to Galileo. I think that's fair, but I think, you know, Melissa Etheridge in particular, it was that earnestness that she has. And so everything was to make fun of that. Um, Well, she was, she was having an honest emotion on a song and that's not allowed, you know, unless it's like lyrics that you have to really think about to figure out what it is that a person means. There's no questions (laughs) in come to my window. There's no mystery it's a pretty it's a pretty clear cut song. You know what she's saying. And I think that that makes and especially, you know, I was around a lot of men at the time. Men are very or at least were in the 90s were deeply uncomfortable hearing a song like that, so they would be much quicker to make fun of it. So it wasn't cool to like Melissa Etheridge. And I don't know that it's really cool to like her now, to be honest. Oh no, it, think, it's it's never been like No, I, I, I will say that there was a point in time specifically, and if people have not watched this video in particular, you should. It's very available on YouTube where Is it a he, it better not be a Buffy Angel fan video? God no, absolutely not. This is a <laughs> Melissa Etheridge performance. Uh where everyone for a moment understood that earnestness uh and honesty was 
was not something to just be mocked. And it is during the Janis Joplin tribute 2005 in which Melissa Etheridge came out and it was her first performance uh, after chemo and she had shaved her head and she went out there and belted piece of my heart. Like Joss Stone was part of it too. And I mean, Joss Stone can sing the shit out of a Janis Joplin song, but it was this particular moment where she came out, no wig, fully shaved and sang piece of my heart. And I remember everyone's reaction to that because it was that one moment where everyone watching understood what was happening. Well, I think that like, that's, that's a moment when everybody got it, but I think, you know, there was a whole section of people that did get it before this. Yeah, there was definitely a section, but like, it was like one of the only times that like Melissa Etheridge's like earnestness and like, just what what that rasp in her voice means was never questioned or mocked in the same way that I think some of her other songs were were like treated by like outside audiences because like everyone understood what her singing Janis Joplin that night meant. Uh, and also, if you haven't seen that performance, uh, you absolutely have to. <laughs> also, apparently last year she did it again from uh, her house uh during um the pandemic so i'm gonna be watching that as soon as we get off of this no i do remember melissa etheridge just kind of vaguely being not cool the the impression i got was just you know just another vh1 adult contemporary artist like she's fine she's you know she rocks sometimes but it's 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 for secretaries is the impression i got at the time and i just kind of never really which is wild because there was always the brad pitt thing the running So if you look at most of her videos, either before or after every single one of her videos, the leading lady dated Brad Pitt. They had the exact Juliet Juliet Lewis and Brad Pitt in California. That's right. Juliet Lewis is. And for uh, most and for a lot of her career, every leading lady in her videos had or was going to date Brad Pitt. And so like there was also that contingent of people who are like, oh, she has the same taste in women as Brad Pitt. And Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Um, (laughs) she was being made fun of by so many people, but then also everyone who was like vaguely gay was like, man, I also buy that she could get with every single one of the women that Brad Pitt has been with. And we just accepted that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, why would you ever, why would you doubt it? Like, why would there be any source of doubt? I don't know. I was, look, all I'll say is this. I was surrounded by mostly men at that phase of my life and- it was homophobia, and but but also just misogyny, right? Like this fear that to earnestly enjoy the most earnest song on the radio would make you femme and gay, mm-hmm. and so people couldn't really. I think so many people were unable to embrace it, and for me, it was the exact opposite reaction. Right? It was like. I liked it and I watched all these men not get it. And it was very affirming for me. I was like, well, this is just more proof um, of what I already knew about me. Yeah. You know, it's just a, it's such a weird thing, though, because Melissa Etheridge seems like she'd be absolutely like a, a guy's girl. You know, like if you wanted to listen to, you know, music like that, she's bluesy. She loves Springsteen. Like, yeah, I think that that was also for me why I had in part so much exposure to um folks who weren't making fun of her at the time because like in my household which was like really like music focused although like there wasn't a lot of white music being played guitar singer songwriters who with like voices were like very like 
appreciated, like especially by my dad, you know, like so he didn't like listen to Melissa Etheridge always. But I'm fairly certain the first time I ever listened to a full Melissa Etheridge album was because he put it on in the car because very much her her clear love of, you know, like Clapton and the classics and and, and Joplin and then also like like um, Prince and others like my dad was like, yo, she can sing. Like, yeah. you know, like in a very real way. But like, I also knew that like my dad's musical appreciation didn't always line up with what I saw necessarily everywhere else in the world. And like, that was definitely something that I noticed, you know, you know, it, it seems like if a straight man were to pick one of these, they'd lean towards Melissa because she's got the, all that classic rock baggage. But my knowledge of the Indigo Girls really comes from only one person, which is my father who is the straightest man you will ever meet in the world. And he only listens to country music except for like, I remember distinctly he had four modern rock albums from that era. He had Tracy Chapman's self-titled. I was going to say the, fast car could also have been the third for this yes, as well. That's what, that's what I thought the third <laughs> one was going to be, uh, you know, but he had Tracy Chapman's self-titled. He had this Indigo girls album, Indigo girls self-titled and REM's out of time. And who? Ah, and the- well, well, now you know why. That's literally the explanation. Yeah. As soon as you bring REM to the conversation, you know mm-hmm. why it is that he liked the Indigo Girls. So they yeah. were already popular before they had released it, like a like a like a a studio album that was backed by a label, right? They were like Metallica, I suppose, from last episode. <laughs> that they could like you know just like exactly walk like into Metallica, a place. Yes. Yeah. But people loved them. Like they yeah. they immediately it had like a huge throng of support. So when they finally got into a studio to release that first album, the record label decided that they should get some help from R.E.M. So R.E.M. comes in and like they toured with the like the Indigo Girls open for R.E.M. They worked on that first album. Um, There is a song called Kid Fears where Michael Stipe um, sings like like this is like such a spoiler. I wish I hadn't said it. Um, I wish I had just said, listen to Kid Fierce, because he shows up like like it's a guest appearance at the end of a Marvel movie. And it's amazing. And he sounds so perfect with them. But I think if you liked R.E.M. at that time, it would make perfect sense because I think that they were sort of being pushed, the Indigo Girls, with R.E.M. That makes sense. And, uh, you know, I think the after Tracy Chapman sold like six gajillion records in 1988, and I think Suzanne Vega didn't sold decent numbers. I think the Indigo girls, that's where they popped into the equation. And I'll be honest, I have always known closer to fine, but I don't think I ever really, really listened to it uh, before I had to do this, uh, this episode. And I was like, shit, like why wasn't this like my favorite song ever for like 30 years? Because it's, it's clearly something really, really special, just like an acoustic guitar classic. And I'm not a big fan of acoustic guitar music, but this is, just really an astonishingly good song. It's fine. It's closer to fine. Is it your pick? Like if I, yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. It is. Um, it is great. It's a beautiful song. It really is. It is a comforting song. So you know that feeling right after a cry, where like you're kind of just totally exhausted, but it doesn't feel bad anymore. You're just kind of exhausted. You and got you're it like, out. yeah, yeah, like there's a lot of of that and a blanket to closer to find for me, you know? Yeah, I, I, you know what it is? It's that like so this <laughs> song, I mean, they, I, 
in my mind, the Indigo Girls are always, you know, old souls. There's nothing about. It's hard to believe that they were ever children. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> there's there's yes. something so unbelievably mature about them. Something at the very least that's post collegiate. Um, and this song is one that had, I think, some meaning for me when I first heard it, and I heard it much much later um, because it wasn't really, I don't think I was listening to college radio or whatever it was that where I would have heard it naturally, but I did start going to the all girls school for theater in my junior year. And at that point, a lot of things started to shift in my life. And I remember in addition to by senior year, God, Jesus rent being the soundtrack of everybody's fucking life <laughs> in 1998. Um, also around that 97, 98 part of my life, also like Indigo Girls and Case Choice and a lot of other bands that are sort of in that spot became these things that I knew because now I was hanging out predominantly with women, some of whom were straight and some of whom were queer, but all of whom liked that there was this stuff that was had a, an emotional meaning, like meant something and wasn't trying to do it in a weird lyrical way where you had to guess, you know, <laughs> like, like Kurt Cobain. Great. It's fun to go back and look at the lyrics now and be like, wow, deep man. But like you listen to closer to fine, like you don't, you get it. You listen to it and you get it. And when you're a teenager, you get it. And when you're in your twenties, you still fucking get it. And by the time you're in your forties, let's say like I am, not only do you get it, but like I actually think that it has more layers now. It means more to me now than it ever did, and that's really impressive as as a as a song as an achievement. I think you know it's it's weird that you know twenty year olds would be so into it because this very easily strikes me as like a song for people who have been around the block a few times and have you know have seen it have but worked feel, to get closer to fine. But I feel like part of it is that the reason it works is because it's about every step brings you kind of can bring you closer to that that piece, even if you're not feeling it at that moment. In each kind of decade of your life, there are other issues, you know, that you're, that you're working out, uh, different p- parts of your identity uh, that you are kind of piecing together over time. So, like, yeah, you will have, you know, especially in your 20s, times that are, are complete disaster, right? But then, like, this song is for that that moment where you're like, well, I'm over with that. I'm moving forward. And that can happen so many times in your life that it doesn't feel like there has to be a certain point in which the song clicks. It's just that it clicks more every year of your life. Yeah, I think every time you're going through another thing, you know, it's that, I don't know. when. How old were you when you realized that you didn't know anything at all? Because there's like a phase, right? I feel like everybody around age 12 thinks they've got it on lock. Like, I got this shit figured out. And then the older you get, the less you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's part of what Closer to Fine is about, is about rejecting the idea of some kind of definitive knowledge. And that was really a constant theme of theirs, too, which I really appreciated. And also, like, as a lesbian theme, like, in particular, I think really works, you know. Uh, of course, because, you know, this is like one of their most well-known songs, you can kind of talk about Galileo again, where both of these songs are literally about like kind of that moment where you're like, maybe I, I'm wrong about how things were and maybe I'm learning and growing. Um, and like, especially when these songs came out, you know, and you're thinking about the conversation about what being a lesbian looks like and what it feels like, um, you know, 
outside of like romantic entanglements, right? Uh, just in terms of aesthetic mindset, uh, how much of it is is for us as a community versus how much of it is, you know, like taken and performed by other people. You know, like uh, Indigo Girls are constantly focused on kind of that that identity scouring. Sure. That is and I great. think so. And the thing that's very notable about them is also that they have changed over time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we I had sort of alluded earlier to the fact that we would talk about Mishfest and they were amongst the biggest headliners. And that was a music festival in Michigan was very well known. It was this all women, all like predominantly gay music festival, which sounds great until you find out that um, it's. Women with a Y and the big phrase became women born women. And it was extremely trans exclusionary. And it's funny, like there's all these things that we're talking about now, all these legislations that are coming through. And because there's this much larger trans visibility um, for everybody, all these questions are coming up. But for anybody who grew up during a certain time and already were thinking about these things, this is old stuff. And I think for me, the first time that I ever had glommed onto this idea of trans-exclusionary radical feminism would have been, you know, I don't, I didn't know, like, I wasn't literary. I wasn't, like, reading Transsexual Empire or something. But Mishfest, which, like, when I heard about it, I was like, oh, that's great. I would love to go to that. And then I heard, you know, Women Born Women, and I was like, well, guess not. <laughs> guess I won't go to that. And the Indigo Girls basically stuck it out for a while, and then eventually... And the reason they stuck it out was because they were very close with the woman that runs it, um, the main organizer of that festival. But they basically thought, well, we can't be a party to this. We can like this person and disagree with her, but we can't stand by her while she publicly denounces a whole group of people. So the Indigo Girls' growth was going from, we love this person, so we'll continue to support a festival that is doing harm – to acknowledging that the harm was too great and then leaving. And then subsequently, like, I think Mishfast lasted like one year without the Indigo Girls and then it was over. Yeah. Like, did we all three of us pick Indigo Girls? No. Like, oh, no. Uh, I I will always pick the louder, more like yeah. loud, lo- louder swagger and like loud vulnerability. This is a thing that uh, I usually use to describe like fall, fallout boy songs and why I like them. But um, <laughs> cocky vulnerability is a big thing for me. This kind of like big attitude. But really what you're singing about is how vulnerable and unsure you are and how much you feel very deeply and very passionately. But singing it with the energy of like, I don't give a fuck middle fingers is like a big thing for me. Interesting connection, Melissa Etheridge and Fallout Boy, and I totally see it. That's wow. I don't, I'm sorry. Where I was going with this was, it's easier to like the Indigo Girls as people more than like the Indigo Girls have like when you hear them in the news, it's always something good. And Melissa has kind of become like kind of Hollywood weird, you know, messy and divorces and weird vaccine stuff that you didn't want to know. Yeah. Oh, I uh, saw somebody mention in the comments that that. Melissa Etheridge become somebody that I wouldn't like. And I was like, I'm sure not going to look into that. Mm-hmm. I don't need, I don't need to know. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. That's also where I saw it. And I, I did look at it and uh, you're probably better off not looking into that. 
I don't need to know that shit. Melissa Etheridge did some great things for me mm-hmm. when I was young, and uh, I don't, I don't need to know. It's also, fine. I'm not I like I'm not like actively like running out to go like see her in concert or like try mm-hmm. to be like her as a human being. So I think I'm safe. I kn- I knew someone who went to see Melissa Etheridge pretty recently, and uh, they said it was great, like really genuinely great. I would also point out that like at the time when people are discussing her having said buck wild nonsense, she was actually also going through some very, very personal uh, stuff um, at the time. She um, mentioned the, she mentioned the chemo. Uh, well, also then after that uh, last year during the, uh, the pandemic, um, her son um, had, had uh, died of opioid addiction. So a lot of the stuff that's happening specifically with her is a lot (laughs) Um, for the past, like what, seven, eight years. She's been going through it really heavily. She said some buck wild stuff. It is definitely not the worst of what we've heard. And we've heard some really bad stuff from a lot of bad people. Probably. Yeah, I was going to say she doesn't really rate on that level at all. Like, no, yeah. (laughs) I agree with you. I think it makes sense. I think anybody that goes through a lot of stuff is going to, if they're in the public eye, they're going to make some, they're going to make some missteps and that's okay. I mean, she was the, basically the lesbian figurehead for a very long time. Like Katie Lang was big in 92 and then you, she just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Uh, You know, Ellen was big in 97 and 98 and then she kind of disappeared for a while till she had her talk show. So mostly it was just. And then we just wished she did. Yes. Um, Isn't that, yeah, I mean, like, I'll tell you, I think about this a lot, um, growth, because, like, in the music industry, I guess it was okay to be a lesbian, because Melissa Etheridge continued to thrive, and I don't think she thrived because she came out, I think that she would have thrived regardless. See, the thing, I also think, though, that she is Melissa Etheridge, and thus was able to, like, so if her style was remotely different than it was... If she was not already kind of what the industry saw as like the lesbian they wanted to see. Sure. I think, but like, you know, Ellen, Ellen is a representation of growth. She lost her job and now she can be as terrible as she wants and not lose her job. How far we've (sighs) come. (laughs) I will listen to both of them on like a playlist, but like Indigo Girls and Melissa Etheridge, one of the reasons that it was it is to a certain extent difficult to like for me to choose one or the other is because they're such different gay moods for me. Like, I'm sure that like if I was going through like a really rough patch, like in a month or so or like a month ago or something, and you ask me that day and I might have chosen, you know, closer to fine, you know, uh, because that was what I needed to hear at the time. You know, I literally need to hear it every day. It is a I daily requirement for me to get through this situation. I wouldn't mind hearing it every other day for the rest of my life. That's a good song. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that's a good uh, spot to. Uh, oh, you want to do the three questions? Yeah. Um, so there are three questions that we do every episode. They firm up everything we've been talking about. Help make sure that we've got the right answer to what is the better song. Uh, question number one: uh, One of these songs will persist in the memory of humankind forever. And the other one will be erased. Which song for the for just for human history, just for human beings, which one must persist? Closer to fine. Yeah, it it's has got, to be close. It's got to be closer to fine. As important as the as come to my window is, I think that more people are helped by the comfort of closer to fine. 
Also, Melissa Etheridge has many hits that, you know, Come to My Window is her number one hit, but, like, everything... Except it isn't. Like, what's so interesting about that is that I'm the only one with the bigger head. So that's the reason... That's literally the only reason that I pick Closer to Fine, ultimately, is just that if you take away Come to My Window, I'm the only one would still have come out and still would have had the exact same impact. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm the only one is like I in, in hindsight, come to my window feels like the bigger song to me. But I'm the only one is just like at like 95 percent of that. And, uh, you know, other songs bring me some water. I remember is like really big, too. So sure. I, I want to come I, over. I mean, I yeah. want to come over. I mean, I love all of her songs. And let's be real. I feel like you couldn't compete. You couldn't make any song compete with I'm the only one. Like, that's just unfair. Uh, Actually, no, I'm sure I could find a a singular Beyonce song to go up against that one. (laughs) I'll get back to you on that one. All right. So we agree for question number one. Question number two is you can you can witness the creation of one and only one of these two songs. That's the whole thing. You can see them having like a like a little like a little chat in like a like a tea house of some kind, I assume. Um, or at the gas station in Melissa Etheridge's case, I also assume, all the way up to and including any music videos. Come Which to my window. Which one is the one you would want to see? Come to my window, hands down. I'd, I I would want to be there for uh, Come to My Window, the music video, see how that films. There's more energy like in Come to My Window that is exciting to watch the creation of, whereas excitement is not the point of Closer to Fine. That's fair. That's fair. Also, I'd like to see Juliette Lewis in person. See if she's okay. like that off camera. What, what if Brad Pitt showed up? You don't know. Maybe he was there when you were when they were filming Wait. that. Okay, so that would have been ninety three. That was exactly when they were. That would yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. So Brad Pitt might have been there, and I could admire him. Also, this is not an insult, but uh, actually a testament to how comforting the song is. I feel like if you were there for every moment of the production of Closer to Fine, you would spend most of it comfortably napping (laughs) because it's so it's so soothing that you would actually miss out on most of it. I would want to be there for for Kid Fears. I would love Mm, to see the recording of Michael Stipe. I would love to see that process just because I thought, you know, I don't even know if they get along, but it just sounds so good. Like it's really if you've never heard Kid Fears, it's definitely the track to listen to on that album other than Closer to Fine. But yeah, I think in the end, I would also go with Come to My Window. Question number 2.5. Megan the Stallion is about to get up to a night of hot girl shit. Before she could do that, she is going to listen to one and only one of these That's two songs. That's an unfair question. It's it is the question, question we have. Look, it's there's the... a very obvious answer to this. And I asked it because it's we've been doing it lately and it's a good goddamn question. We all know that Melissa Etheridge is winning this one. Yeah. Though. <laughs> Yeah, there's no there's no point to that. The, like closer to fine, that's a song at the end of the night when you're you know getting ready to turn in. Like that's a that's that's a song to help you sleep. That's the and song I mean that where you're way. really proud that you went home alone because you've been telling yourself that you need to be more independent, and then you listen to that <laughs> while putting on your pajamas. You okay. did, yeah. So once, once again, it is the song like you got home. You took off all your fucking makeup before you went to sleep. You did it. <laughs> that's the song. Closer right. to fine. Anyway, it's. I just wanted to be known that um, Melissa Etheridge had written Hot Girl Shit. That's on record now. Yeah. And I believe if Meg was here, she would not contest that. <laughs> I believe that she would agree. The actual third question. Uh, William Shatner, person of some repute? Of a kind of repute. He's, he's been reputed. He's a tweeter. We all wish he wasn't. Tweeters. He's the captain of a starship. 
Not really, but we all pretend that he is. It's better than thinking about the tweets. He's also a singer. Of a, sure. He's going to look, he's going to do a Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs. Which song must for now and forever be shat upon? Oh, that's got to come to my window. I'm that's really torn. Because here's the thing in general, I think it's come to my window. But the uh, I went to see the Doctor of Philosophy verse with a oh, poster with the poster of Rasputin is just real Rocket Man energy. Like, that's true. Like, so here's the thing. Closer to Fine is his sequel to Rocket Man. But also <laughs> Come to My Window is just like, so is he doing it the way that he usually does things or is he trying to recreate the song? That's the question. Oh, no, he's doing it his way. He's doing okay, it. Then the it has to be way. closer to fine. If he's trying to recreate the song, it has to be come to my window. But if he's being Shatner about it, it's got to be closer to fine. I agree. I completely agree. I, I don't know, though. It's like you don't know how far I'd go to ease this precious ache. Like, <laughs> I'd like to see him try. I like, I think you, you know, convinced me closer to fine, but I'd. I think a Shatter could do a pretty good version of. Come I mean, to my they window. would both be iconic, but the Rasputin verse dictates that he has to do that song. I think I might get nauseous listening to him do "Come to My Window," though. I think I might <laughs> become ill, and I no, may, that not. may very well be the point. But you know, that yeah, doesn't I'm, mean it's what I want. I'm, I'm not coming to Shatner's window, except no. maybe to throw rocks. <laughs> like his window's made of transparent aluminum. Stop. Okay, <sighs> that's the we one were... with the whales joke. I, I, your favorite. Yes, we don't favorite. want this. All right. Um, do you want to do the listener yes. comments? The the people who took it seriously, the grown ups. Yes. What did they think? Okay, a goddamn delight. Writes, I am voting for a closer to fine, not just because the harmonies are fire, but because all those '90s soft hit CD ads have completely ruined "Come to My Window" for me. That is absolutely where I now come to my window from. 90s commercials. I have no so- recollection of the commercials at all, and I'm happy for that. I have come to my window, and then immediately being cut off by the next song on there, probably like Celine Dion or something, burned into my memory. Like it was somebody like doing like, um, what's the thing I'm looking for? Like window cleaner. Oh, no, no. I thought, they- it, was, I thought it was a really on-the-nose ad that I'd just never seen before. <laughs> All right. Uh, at least it wasn't butchered like uh, "Let the Sunshine In" by Window oh, Commercials. Uh, the best thing is, is that I I saw the the um, musical context of that song after the commercials and was horrified. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, like, you didn't even know till later. All right, Azure Squirrel writes. Pitting absolute lesbian icons against each other. Do you seek to cause me pain? <laughs> There were many, many comments like this. Yes. Yeah. To be fair, there's a strong argument that, you know, this competition in and of itself is homophobic. And I respect that. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> making this people choose. The, this is not the first time we've gotten that comment. <laughs> we are we are problematic. Smooth 22 writes, please don't make my mom choose between these. <laughs> Okay, I, I like you, Smooth 22. I was going to yeah. make make fun of you because no one is smooth and 22. That's an oxymoron. But now yeah. I'll let that slide. Got him. I mean, maybe they were born in 1922. <laughs> and they're a very smooth, whatever. 100 <laughs> don't, don't do it to yourself. 
I don't, I never, I always do. I don't know why I was going to say never. Um, yes, that's a fair point. And we didn't talk about the moms. We didn't talk about moms. Moms do love these songs. And that's sometimes true. they're hot. I, okay, I feel I'm like sorry. <laughs> I'm the only one, only person in, in the world You're who the knows only this one? music through my dad. So <laughs> I'm the only, yeah, okay, I got it. All right. Lee Basil writes, I was dragged by a friend to an integral's Indigo Girls concert at age 12 and wound up loving them. They got me through several high school heartbreaks and over a decade later, I still keep up with their new music. I'm also gay now, which may or may not be a coincidence. <laughs> I love I, the idea of being annoyed at going to see them in concert and then having a revelation. I'm sure that a lot of people had exactly that yeah. moment. I like they oh, they dragged me kicking and screaming <laughs> to the Indigo... But you know, it's like fine. some of them, but we were, all though. know if you, no one's holding a gun to your head. If you go, you're going with purpose. No, I can see it at twelve that like you're being dragged because uh, like my wife once was had to go to a Bon Jovi concert and I still make fun of her for that. Oh, did uh, I tell you what it was for me when I was twelve? What was it? It was John Cougar Mellencamp, <laughs> and it was the Wild Night Is Calling era. Oh, the um, 94. Yeah. So I was, I was all right. So I was a little older. I remember my, my mother being like, you're going to go to this, like you should go to a rock concert. I mean, look, uh, Michelle and Digiocello was there and that, that was fine. My first concert that was, closer was, Blink, to fine. <laughs> was Blink 182. And that's how I discovered Alkaline Trio and Sum 41. So in the end, it was worth it. All right. Tyler M. writes, it's very appropriate that you describe these songs as mom folk, since both of them are forever burned in my memory from being on constant rotation in my mom's car growing up. I don't think I learned about the whole music for lesbian stereotype until after she had come out. But yeah, it makes, <laughs> makes a lot of sense in retrospect. It's um, <sighs> you, you, you see that uh, you ever see that sketch for SNL with the Totinos? Yes, I, I was going to go for, but I'm a cheerleader. The entire like uh, intervention where everyone's like, you're gay. And she's like, what yeah. are you talking about? I just like Melissa Etheridge. I should write down a list of all of the things that in hindsight were dead giveaways that I didn't realize <laughs> at the time. It's literally every single thing about my life. But like, so it would be a long list. But there's some good ones in there. Trying to tell us something about your life. The, the, you? the two things for me are almost literally the exact same thing is that the two animated clips that I would watch on loop were Aurora and Sleeping Beauty with the dress change, uh, that moment, and then Oriana dancing in the bubble in Felix and the Cat, Felix the Cat. I would just watch her dance in the bubble on repeat. And looking back, I'm like, that's because you were in love with her, you fool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I didn't understand that. Well, that's what it was. I just loved that scene. Anyway, thank you, listener. We respect and love your mother. Yes. All right. One last one from Cecilia Messbauer. She writes, this isn't a question of which song is better. It's a question of which song is the opener of the lesbian pride playlist. And it has to be cut in my window. And which song is the closer easily closer to fine. Accurate. Well, closer to fine. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like Lena came up with that one. If you go through and read all of the um, all of the comments. You would think that Closer to Fine was going to win this poll. You already peaked, didn't you? I looked. Well, the thing is that I look more and more lately, and I, what I can tell you is that the majority of the comments are pro Closer to Fine. The people who are deeply invested enough to comment, mm -hmm. Closer to Fine. 
But people who just voted with their hearts may have gone a different way. <laughs> may have. Who do you they think did. won? They did. And I, I bet you it's because of what we were saying is that like there's a, a a very like internal thought process for closer to fine. But like if you're just like, yo, which one am I playing next? Like you're like it's it's the the one with like more energy. Also, the one that makes you think that uh, maybe you're getting late because that's not what's happening with close yeah. to the fine. All right. Which no. was, which <laughs> do you think which do you think won and by how much? Like the percentage, Lena. Um, I don't know how well, much you. I, I mean, I assume that it's relatively close. It looked like it was the last time I checked. I assume it's like a 60-40 split. All right. The actual vote total is three fifty-five to two seventy-three. That's a fifty-six and point five percent win for come to my window. And also is the bigger hit. So I feel like that that may have pushed it. People are sheep. They just like I know this one and they click. It's fine. I don't like yeah. I said there's no there, there is literally no wrong answer. And I have the no, one that I like more, but like they're both great. And I also assure you uh like another week where they were going through different emotional stuff. <laughs> people would have had different votes like 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 that's the thing i don't think that this is one of the ones that like like you were saying there are some that i'm like okay it is always song a right i love yeah. both but it's always song a whereas like some of those people would have picked the other song you know i would have believed you know 56 44 split the opposite way as well yeah I'm, i was uh, impressed closer to find it as well as it did because i don't think it was ever a big hit I think um, maybe since we're nearing the end of the pandemic, I think people are a little more closer to fine than they were. <laughs> so, all right. Did I tell you what the next episode was going to be? Is this the one that is going to have the guests that you said we were going to do next? Yes. Okay. So it's going to be the one that I don't want because the next guest is Jacob Chapman. And mm-hmm. I proposed an anime episode. Todd said no. So no. what are we doing instead of the right choice, Todd? We will be doing Poker Face versus Teenage Dream. <sighs> All right. That's acceptable. Are you accepting? Uh, the answer is, do you accept covers or not? Because it's very different answers. Uh, but yes, I'm excited for that one. And it's still incredibly gay. Yeah, it'll be good. I, I know what I'm picking, but I won't say. Um, anyway, thank you for listening to this episode. Here's a very important fact. We have a Patreon. We talk about it every episode, but I'm going to talk about it a little more just for reasons. Um, it only costs a dollar. You get all the bonus episodes. Um, you can Your default is $2. So if you feel like doing $2, great. And if you want to be able to decide what the options are for uh, our bonus episodes that cost $20, I bring up this and ask that you give for one reason, one reason only. I am a middle-aged woman trying to transition, and that costs a lot of money because the drugs... The ones that I'm even able to take don't do much, so it's going to be all surgery all the time for this bitch. So, if you feel like giving a little more money going forward in support of the fact that this shit is going to be very costly, I would be very grateful. All right, and uh, if you can't do that, just tell your friends, and maybe they'll have some money. All right, thank you so much. Thank you for supporting our stupid little project. We love you, every single one of you. Thank you so much. See you next time. Mm